Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. And today, I hope expecting parents hear this. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. Uh, just a little update for you guys. My wife gave birth. We welcomed our first daughter, Aisley, into the world on June 20, or sorry, June 18th. And yeah, we've been loving being parents. It's so, it's so great. I think the epitome of my experience as a father, I captured in blog form on my website at davidhshin.com. It's under the story called Ours Alone. If you want to know, yeah, if you're curious, you can go read about that. I feel like I captured my, yeah, the, the joy, the inexpressible joy of being a father. I feel like I might have captured it well in that blog post. So take a look. Um, yeah. And I know I kept saying, if I have a baby, I'm probably not going to release an episode. Thankfully, it didn't come to that because with the last two episodes with Connor and Selena, I was able to record this back to back. I actually recorded both of those the same day. Connor and Selena came over. We recorded the episode with Connor. We had dinner and then we recorded the episode with Selena. So that was perfect because it gave us two it gave me two weeks worth of podcast to to put out because that we recorded on Sunday and that following Tuesday was when when Aisley came. So the two following Saturdays after that, I was able to re release episodes. So shout outs to Connor and Selena. Thank you guys for coming over, hanging out with us and recording those two, two episodes back to back. And with that, I kind of wanted to share our experience, my wife and I's experience regarding the, the actual delivery. And this would have been the perfect podcast to have my wife on as a guest to have her share her story and things like that. In fact, there are several topics I would love to have her on this podcast for. The fact that she started her own business, the fact that she's so good at making stuff like carpentry, not, not carpentry, but just making things with wood. I guess that's carpentry. And th there's a lot of things that I feel my wife would be perfect to talk to about, but she is very adamant. She doesn't she doesn't want to be on the podcast, not because she doesn't support it. She is my biggest supporter, but because she's such a introvert, she's shy. And being an introvert myself, I, I totally get it. But she did give me permission to share her birth story with you guys. And I, I thought it was worth sharing because I don't know many birth stories, but I'm pretty sure this one is pretty epic. And... From the reaction of our friends who are mothers who hear this story, I, I can, yeah, I'm pretty confident in saying this. So just to kind of set the ground works for, or in the context for, for this podcast, if you're not super familiar with the whole child birthing process, it's not unusual for labor to be 20 plus hours, especially if the woman is a first time mother carrying the first child and contractions happen throughout it's not like they go to the hospital and they're pushing for 
20 plus hours it's they're waiting for their body to dilate meaning it's i believe it's pretty much an opening up of the cervix for for the child to have room to come out and you start at zero centimeters and the body has to dilate up until 10 centimeters so that that's what the longest duration that that's what the the bulk of the the delivery process is is the the mother just laboring through that and if you haven't heard of what an epidural is is a numbing of the body through a direct injection into the spine i guess numbing of the lower body so that the pain of childbirth is subdued i don't i don't know if it works completely for everybody i think i've heard of people where it kind of numbs the pain a little but they feel certain things i, I don't know I, I don't know the science behind that but that's what an epidural is and it's pretty common our doctor our ob doctor said that oh yeah most people that most of her patients get epidural there are cases where because of complications epidurals aren't used but it's an option available for everybody most everybody unless there's some sort of health complication. And so to walk you through the day of what happened on June 18th, my wife was at work in the morning and we had a doctor checkup for the baby at 3.30. She came home at three to carpool with me to the doctor because she wasn't gonna go back to the office. There's no point going back to the office at 4.30, right? So she comes home. I'm. I work from home, so I'm working upstairs and I hear my wife come and it's around 3.15. So I go downstairs to go to the doctor's office with her. But while I'm going going down the stairs, coming into our room, I hear my wife go, oh, dang it. I was like, what's wrong? And she said, my water broke. And she was kind of freaking out because our due date was on the 26th and this was the 18th. So this was eight full days before the baby was supposed to come. And my wife started saying, oh, I'm not ready for the baby yet. Meaning she she felt that our house wasn't ready. Our, the things that There were more things that we needed to buy. There were things that we needed to decorate. And so my wife was kind of freaking out. But the previous Friday, she actually went through a series of contractions that were three to four minutes long, which is when you're supposed to go to the hospital. So I freaked out on Friday while my wife just sat there saying, no, I don't think these are real contractions. These are Braxton Hicks. And in my mind, I was like, how would you know? You've never gone through this before. But she did know because they they weren't real contractions at the time. So on Tuesday, when her water broke, because I freaked out on Friday, all of that was out of my system. So immediately I jumped into action saying, oh, I'm going to grab the to-go bag. I'm going to put the car seat in the car because you, ha- you have to take a car seat for the baby to the hospital when you go there because when you come out you know you can't just hold a baby in the car it's illegal you have to put a baby into a a proper car seat and you have to have it installed which thankfully we already did and we have a good friend who is certified car seat certified so he he was able to check it for us and things like that so in my mind I, i had i was doing it right so i i jumped into action getting all the bags ready, getting this ready, getting that ready. We jumped into the car and I was ready to just go straight to the hospital. So what what happens when the water breaks is 
there's an increased chance for infection for the baby because the water is kind of protecting the baby from infection. But if the water breaks, you're pretty much given 24 hours before the baby needs to come to minimize harm to the baby. So if the baby doesn't come naturally after the water breaks, a lot of times they'll give the mother something to induce labor or help induce labor. So we knew for sure the baby was going to come at least within the next 24 hours. So we jumped in the car. I told my wife, let's go to the hospital. But she said, hey, it's we have a doctor's appointment at 3.30. We might as well go there. And in my mind, I was like, are you crazy? We Your water broke. We have to go to the hospital. But she was pretty cool, calm. And she said, well, let's, let's let the doctor decide whether or not we should go. So we went to the hospital. We saw her doctor. Her doctor looked at her immediately and was like, hey, you guys got to go to the hospital. We'll see you there. And my wife asked, can we stop by to get something to eat? And her doctor, she's... She's the sweetest person ever. And she kind of laughed a little bit and she said, well, I would definitely pick it up and take it to go. I wouldn't sit down somewhere to eat. So from the doctor's hospital, we started driving toward the hot from the doctor's office. We started driving toward the hospital. But my wife said, oh, we forgot the birthing ball, which is basically a huge exercise ball. And apparently it helps the person the pregnant person uh, go through contractions if they're sitting on it so we, we forgot that at home so I had to drive back home pick that up and on our way to the hospital we stopped by at Panda Express got some lunch and got to the hospital at around 5 4 30 somewhere between 4 35 and we waited in the admission lobby for a bit before we were given a room so we got into the room at around six, I believe. And what they do when you're in the hospital is when you're in the labor room is they'll monitor the monitor you for 20 minutes and for 40 minutes, they'll take all the things off and let you kind of labor by yourself. So they, they put you on all these, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what they call it. They'll put IVs in you. They'll, they'll monitor the baby's heartbeat, your heartbeat, your blood pressure. Uh, your contractions and that was all going well and at this at the time at, at this first interval of 20 minutes my wife was four centimeters dilated in fact the week before she was three centimeters dilated so she was dilated pretty early but at, at the hospital she was four centimeters dilated and so the, so the nurses said yeah we have a while to go um, we're gonna keep you on on this for 20 minutes and take you off so you can do whatever you need to do and when we took the, when the 20 minutes were up, my wife got up, she started walking around to, to make the contractions, I guess to make the baby come faster. And she sat on the birthing ball. This is a the tip for anyone who might be giving birth sometime soon or sometime in the future. My wife really liked sitting and contracting on the ball. So what we did is she sat on the ball and the hospital gives you this ball stand so that the ball doesn't roll around so my wife was sitting on the ball and just holding on to me while she was contracting and she said that it eased the pain a lot and it, it made it a lot more bearable so that's what we did for 40 minutes whenever she, she wasn't contracting she got up walked around but whenever she she was contracting and she was feeling the pain she was sitting down and holding on to me 
And so that happened for 40 minutes. And she, the nurses came in and said, we're going to put you back on all the monitors to see how you're, how you're doing. And the nurse asked, so how are the contractions? You're feeling good contractions, right? And my wife said, yeah, it kind of feels like I have to poop. But I guess that's what contractions are. And the nurse said, uh, no, that's not what contractions are. Actually, if you feel like you have to poop, that, that means the, the baby's head is coming down the birthing canal. And so she laid my wife on the bed and checked her to see how much she was dilated. But before she would tell us, she said, wait a minute, this can't be right. And we said, why, is, is something wrong? And the nurse said, let me just call someone in to make sure I'm right. And a second nurse came in and the second nurse said, yeah, you're, you're reading it right. She's nine and a half centimeters dilated. The baby is going to come soon. So this is within the first hour that we were in the hospital already. She was almost ready to start pushing. And this came as a surprise to everybody, everyone in the hospital, even the doctor that we saw at the OB office. She's the one who comes and delivers. But she thought that she would be coming late at night because we saw her at 3.30. She probably figured sometime at you know 12 a.m., 1 a.m., or maybe even possibly the, the morning after. So it came as a surprise to her. And she needed to come to the hospital from her office at prime rush hour traffic time and also apparently there was a, a accident on the highway to get to the hospital so we were in a situation where the nurses were all saying hey don't push i know you're feeling the the urge and the pressure to push but you gotta not push right now because there's no one here to deliver the baby and we waited for a little bit but because my wife was so ready to push they needed to have someone on standby. And thankfully, the hospitals have midwives to, to deliver the baby in, in cases like this. So the people started rushing in and out of the room, getting everything prepped, because again, no one expected it to come this fast. And once everyone was settled, once, the, once they decided, oh, our doctor's not gonna make it in time, our midwife, that's on standby at the hospital came in and she was literally there ready and about to instruct my wife to start pushing. But thankfully within like a minute, I would say our doctor came in, she came running in. She was, she's so sweet. She, she like rushed to get to the hospital fighting through crazy Atlanta traffic. And she, she made it literally moments before Shirley couldn't help but push. So she, my wife started pushing and my wife's original plan was to do all natural, meaning no epidural. But I think even if she wanted to do epidural, we probably couldn't have because the baby came so fast. But my wife gave birth all naturally. No, no painkillers of any sort. She just kind of pushed her out. And the pushing took around 40 minutes. So at 8, 11 p.m., the baby was here and everyone was very surprised. I was surprised. It was the umbilical cord. I was surprised at cutting the umbilical cord because I actually thought that the cord would be flesh colored, but it's, it's white. It almost looks like squid. 
uh, it feels it's the consistency of squid. It looks like slightly transparent white tube, and when you cut it, it feels kind of squishy, kind of like a like a cooked squid. And so that that was a cool experience. I I got to see the placenta, which is super gross. It's a bag of just blood, dried blood, and other blood, and dark blood and light blood, and it just looks like a bag of. If, I don't know if you guys have seen Ant Man, but you know the antagonist, the bad guy in Ant Man, when he uses his failed shrinking gun, when he shoots at people, they shrink and turn into like. A, a glob of blood, right? That's if that were much bigger, that's what a placenta would look like. Because uh, I got to see that come out too. So, my wife, the reason why I believe she is Wonder Woman, why it was amazing, is because her dilation happened in the blink of an eye. She gave birth without any sort of pain medication, and. She got to full dilation without even realizing. She thought it was the beginning. She thought it was the first hour in a 20-hour journey. But she was literally at the finish line. And so we joke around. We say, hey, I feel like you're, you're made to give birth. Because previous to this, we always said we wanted four kids. And people always laughed saying, well, wait till you have your first one and see... See how that's how that's like before you make that determination. But now we go around saying, hey, if if every birth is as easy as this one, maybe maybe we can go for four. So we, we were really lucky. We were really, really blessed. We, obviously, we don't know if every birth that she goes through is going to be this way. But yeah, the first one was really awesome. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that my wife was so prepared. So a lot of people advised her not to listen to other birth stories because they kind of collect the worst of the worst and share it with people. And it tends to freak people out, tends to keep people from wanting to become pregnant. But my wife is the type of person who wants to be prepared for the worst. She wants to know what possibly could happen so that she can at least expect it so that she's not surprised by it. So she heard the worst of the worst. And I think that's what helped her. That's what helped her to think this is going to be a 20-hour process. So this first hour, I'm no matter the pain level I'm feeling, I'm going to force myself to believe that this is the one on a scale of 1 to 10. So that I'm not too shocked when the pain starts ramping up. And because of that mentality that she had, I think she was able to... She... I think mentally just increased her pain tolerance. I don't know how to do that, but she did it somehow. So that's great. But one thing that she did say she didn't know what happened is after you give birth, the doctors and nurses, they'll push your stomach to make the rest of the placenta kind of come out. And none of the birth stories that my wife listened to included that that fact that tidbit so when they started doing that she said that that was the most painful part because she wasn't expecting it so if if anyone out there is about to give birth or are considering pregnancy or anything like that 
if you're the person, if you're similar personality type as my wife, I would recommend going out there and listening to my what my wife did is she listened to a bunch of podcasts. There are, are a lot of podcasts out there that detail different people's pregnancy, well, not pregnancy, but birthing stories. And just listening to those, Shirley said, really helped. And the element of surprise is the worst. It's it's when you feel something or experience something that you, you're not expecting that make that shock factor, I think, adds to the pain. And my wife was able to get rid of that shock factor um, because of because of her readiness and preparedness. And so after giving birth, we we stayed in the hospital for 48 hours because we gave birth on well not even 48 hours because the birth happened at 8 11 p.m but on tuesday but we were discharged at around noon on thursday and driving from the hospital to our home with our child for the first time i've never driven more carefully i i tend to drive carefully just in life i don't want to jinx it but in the 14 in the 15, oh, in the 16 years of driving, 16 years of my life that I've driven, I've never gotten into a, a accident that I've caused. And even accidents other people caused, they were so minor that police never got involved. And I've never been pulled over or given a ticket of any sort. So that kind of shows you what kind of driver I am. I'm, I'm very cautious and I, I, I like to be careful. I like abiding by the the rules of the of the road, right? But even more so, I've never felt so nervous driving. Even more so, I was strictly abiding by the speed limit. I, I didn't stop suddenly. I didn't make any sharp turns. In fact, there was one time where I was so nervous and anxious, I was looking back constantly at the baby to make sure she wasn't freaking out, even though my, my wife was right next to her that I've, I didn't realize that one of the lights turned yellow. And because I didn't, I could have stopped before it turned red if I kind of somewhat stopped abruptly, but I was so freaked out by the prospect of my newborn daughter being yanked by her seatbelt that I just legitimately ran a red. If a cop was there, I would have been pulled over, but that that was the level of anxiousness and and just nervousness that I went through. But we got home okay. It's been two weeks that since we've been home and we're adjusted, we're settling in, and it's been great. Fatherhood has been awesome. We, my wife and I, we joked around before saying because we both love babies so much, we said we would fight for who gets to hold our daughter more. And it, we, we don't fight about it, but we're always like, oh, can I hold, can I hold Aisley now? Oh, you want to hold her? Okay, I'll hold her. And, and so it's, it's been really fun. It's been so great watching her grow. And even though it's only been two weeks, we've experienced and witnessed so much growth in her. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. When you first bring her home, she's kind of just a, she's almost like a doll. She doesn't really move that much. She sleeps a lot. She can't really control her movements and yeah, she can't even really make eye contact. I don't think they can see that well, but in, in the first two weeks, we've seen her strength grow. 
she's gained weight, which is which is good. She, I think she's making eye contact more now. I, I don't know if it's something I'm imagining or not, but she seems to hold and maintain eye contact better than before. And she definitely has more control over her movements. When she doesn't like something, she's able to, like if she doesn't like the way she's positioned when I'm holding her, she'll kick off my, my arm or, or something and she'll try to get more comfortable, which she wasn't able to do before. So yeah, fatherhood has been amazing. My, my wife has been doing awesome as a mother. We're exclusively breastfeeding right now, so she has to wake up every three to four hours at night. It's supposed to be two to three hours, but because our daughter is gaining weight so well, our pediatrician actually said we don't need to wake her up at night if she doesn't if she doesn't wake up. If if she were underweight, I think they would recommend that every two to three hours we wake up, wake the baby up, and feed her, even if she's not wanting it. But because she's gaining weight so well, they advised us that if, if she sleeps through the night, it's fine. Three, every three to four hours feeding, that's fine. And that, that's what we've been doing. And yeah, it's, it's great. The first, the first poop for expecting parents out there. Don't be surprised. They, I don't know if anyone's told you, but it's like tar. It's weird. It's like tar coming out of their butt. And you hear tar and you kind of mix it with what you know to be poo. And you think, oh, it's just really dark poo. But no, no, no. I'm legitimately, it's like tar. You, you see thick, sticky substance. If it gets on the butt of your baby, it's really hard to wipe off because it's so sticky. So don't be surprised by that. Don't be surprised if your baby poo starts turning into mustardy yellow later on with like seeds in it, if, if you're breast, breastfeeding, because that's that's kind of the form of poo my, my uh, daughter is pooing now yellow with seedy substance. I don't know what the seed stuff is. I don't, I don't know how you get that from breast milk, but that's, that's what happens. And it kind of fluctuates in color. It goes from like yellow to green to like dark green back to yellow. But I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why I suddenly started describing my daughter's poo, but yeah, I'm just trying to think of things that expecting parents might need to know that might, that might surprise them that they might not have been told before but i think that might be it the the, the poo thing was because i was told i was told that poo the first few like the first day of poo would be just tar but i just assumed it was just a way for people to describe really black poo but it's it's like tar it's sticky yeah it's weird and oh don't forget you should buy mittens little mittens for your baby because the they might have our daughter was born with pretty sharp nails and my wife and I we were too scared to clip them we didn't want to accidentally cut her or anything like that so for the longest time we didn't clip the nails but she might scratch herself your your baby might scratch herself him, her or himself so make sure you have mittens on standby so that you can cover up those hands so that their faces, their cute little faces, don't get scratched. And I think that might be it. Those, those are the few nuggets that I have for you guys. Thank you for listening. And if you are someone out there 
expecting a child. I'm so excited for you. It, this is by far the best experience of my life. Becoming a father has been great. And again, go to my website at davidhshin.com to read my blog post because I really do think it encapsulates my experience as a father and my relationship with my daughter uh, well. I, th I think it encapsulates it the, ba the best way that I could have. And so, yeah, I'm really excited for you guys. If, if you are an expecting parent and you are curious to hear more about our our experience and Shirley's uh, birth plan, please feel free to reach out at ihthtpodcast at gmail.com. That's I hope they hear this abbreviated podcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at I hope they hear this and DM me, comment, whatever, whatever is most convenient for you. And we would love to engage in conversation and share with you. So yeah, that that's that was the last two weeks of my life. Before I close out, I I want to do a local talent highlight. Local talent highlight. I haven't done that. I forget if I did it in the last two episodes or not. But there have been a lot of things that happened. So yeah, let me tell you what's been happening in in Atlanta with the local talents around here. The Atlanta Run Club ARC. I mentioned them before. It was founded by one of one of my friends, James Rowe. They had a 5K run. It was it was it wasn't just a run. It wasn't just a race. It was a almost like a three day expo that they did two weeks ago. I obviously couldn't go because Aisley came early and we were at home trying to figure out how to be parents. But of all the pictures I've seen, of, of everything I've seen, it, it looked really awesome i'm really sad that i couldn't go but props to james for being a community leader and bringing together people of different backgrounds of wanting to highlight the the diversity of buford highway because the run was called we love buhai for buford highway and yeah it, it looked like a huge success i'm sure it was and if you want to connect with atlanta run club for future runs because they don't just do these 5Ks, I think this 5K thing is going to be an annual thing, but they do local meetups in Pleasant Hill. They do it in Bucket sometimes at at Patagonia, I believe. And they, they have they have uh, relationships with Lululemon. So so it's they, they do meetups in, in various locations throughout Atlanta. So follow them on Instagram at Atlanta Run Club and be on the know, be in the know of, of what they're doing, where the run meetups are and get, get hooked up to that community because it's, it's a really great group of people. I, I went to a run once. It wasn't high pressure. It wasn't like a race. It was just, Hey, let's do something productive. Let's build a community together. And even if you're not an expert runner, let's, let's just start. So I really like the spirit of that, so follow them. And if you want to know more about them, he James was actually a guest on the KTL podcast. KTL podcast is a, a local Korean American. I want to say it's a Korean American podcast. Uh, really great podcast. I, I listen to all their episodes. 
I do have to just say that they do use explicit language, just to throw that out there, because I do that every time. But go listen to them and go listen to their latest episode because James is on there and they do a debrief of how the race went. And James talks about his, his vision for the run club. He has a fellow director for the Atlanta Run Club with him on that episode as well. So get his perspective on that too. And yeah, just hear about them, learn their story. And I think it would be great if anyone's interested to link up with, with that community. And so that, that's two things that I'm highlighting here so far. It's, it's the Atlanta Run Club. It's, it's the KTL podcast. The third thing is, again, I've mentioned them before, Zealand, Z-L-N-D. They released their second song called Come, parentheses, Behold. I listened to it. Great song. I On my Instagram story, I have their Instagram, Zealand's Instagram, and all their members' Instagrams tagged. So if you want to follow them, you want to follow the individual members, you should go ahead and do that. Go go look on my Instagram to to see to see that. Again, the song is great. The first song was really good too in this moment. So go out listen to them, especially if you're Christian. Their their music is worship music. So go out listen to them. They do everything themselves. They write their own music. They write all the the lyrics, they do all their editing, all of that. So it's actually really inspiring to see them because if you look at their latest post, they have these clips of them playing four, five, six, seven years ago as a band, just doing local worship nights and things like that. And to to see them having come so far and honing their skills and their craft to be able to produce such high quality music it's awesome. And I'm actually going to try to have them on a podcast one day. Let's see if, if I can make that happen. Because one of their members, Jonathan, he, if you guys go way back, he was actually my first guest ever on this podcast. And I see him on a weekly basis. And the other, other members as well, I, I know all of them as well. They're really great, really solid people. And I think it would be great to get their story and get kind of their background, how they came together, their process. And if if that could inspire other people doing music to be dedicated to their craft like they are, I think that would be an amazing podcast. So let me see if I can make that happen. I'm not making any promises because I have said things on this podcast. I have said things on this podcast, but they have yet to materialize a lot of these, a lot of things. I think I mentioned a a podcast with Jim doing a joint podcast with him, but he seems to have no interest in that anymore. So I don't know if that's ever going to happen. And he's even talking about starting his own podcast. So we'll see where that goes. I, I told him I would give him a shout out if he, if he got that off the ground, but he's under the impression that people just find podcasts on Google without any sort of marketing. We'll see how that goes for him. And so, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys for all the engagement. Ooh, ooh, before I close out completely, I got an email from a Matthew O. He goes to my church. 
hey Matthew, if you're listening to this, hey, what's up, buddy? Um, he he sent me an email, and he said, hey, I don't know if you should be saying in your advertisement in the in the anchor ad. I don't know if you should be saying if you boys want to start podcast, you should go use anchor. And I read that, and I was thinking, wait, when do I say boys? And he he was concerned for me because in 2019, singling out a gender and saying addressing a single gender might be offensive and i totally get that because we are in such sensitive times now that 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 was a legitimate concern from matthew but if you go back and listen to the the end part of the ad it actually i actually say if you've always wanted to start a podcast not if you boys have wanted to start a podcast so if anyone out there was ever offended by me only addressing boys you know implying that only men can make podcasts or something like that please know that that's not what i'm saying i am saying if you've always so matthew thanks for pointing that out for me and i love you man and yeah to all my listeners i love all of you you guys are awesome you keeping me engaged talking to me and forming a, a little community here so i'm really enjoying it and i don't want to say that my podcasts might be a little bit sporadic but i am going to say that because they might become a little bit more sporadic being that i have a child now but i will always try to keep at least one episode ready at all times for for every week so that I, I don't i don't miss a week but i i am asking you for patience if i if i ever do miss a week or if you reach out and i'm not able to respond it's probably because my baby's keeping me keeping me busy and so with that if you have any episode topic suggestions please let me know i would love to to talk about things that you guys are interested in so yeah thank you guys so much again for the third time thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week bye